Welcome to episode 6 of The Radicals, a podcast version of the novel The Radicals, written by me, Marilyn Krasner. The Radicals is narrated by Amanda Friedlander. Intro and outro music by Siobhan Hurd. Links in the show notes. He's a soft target fucking old man. Sally says she got into town this morning and has been watching Carl today. I am surprised she made the trip. He's in his 60s, I say. Right, a fucking old man. You're right. I choose the communication path of least resistance. Have you made contact? No. He's a wet noodle, I fucking told you. I don't think he's going to put up a fight. Fucking trust me. I have trusted Sally for many years. I know she knows how to read a target, but I've seen Carl when he is angry. He is small, but strong. I've seen him throw an adult Doberman pincher against a wall. It was a big dog. He is not humane. Who are you talking to here? I throw adult men against the wall daily with one hand. Don't get all daddy issues on me. I knew it. You've gone soft. She's testing me. Breathe. Back when we were inseparable, I would have launched into an attack right now telling Sally he's not my daddy, and if she doesn't stop fucking with me, I'm going to stop the money and call the whole thing off. I don't want to get into an argument spiral with her. If I don't keep this conversation focused, this thing I've started with her and Carl is going to backfire, and I will be the only one who pays for it. I laugh a fake laugh and try to make it sound as authentic as possible by leaning my head back. I hear a small release of breath on the other end of the phone. It is possible that she is smiling right now. I think I can hear it. So, boss, what's the plan? Oh, fuck, it worked. She's on side. She's mine. Did you have a chance to read the websites I sent you? What? Fuck no. I didn't have any time to read. And you know what? The bus ride down here was hot as fuck and there was this little baby next to me. Every time I looked at it, there were these fucking green boogers all over the place. I had dreams of slimy worms crawling all over me with baby heads on them. I hate babies. I want to laugh and tell her she doesn't know shit about babies, but I can't do that. The reading isn't important. Just make sure you agree with all the stuff he says. He's super anti-Muslim. He's got some shit against millennials. I think he's jealous that he's old and not immortal like he thought he was. What's the wife like? I only met her once. She's like two years older than me. Jealous? Don't think so. The two of them were all giggly when they told me how old she was, and then he said she was old enough to know better, too young to resist. Aw, what a beautiful father-daughter bonding moment. Did I tell you he has a Confederate flag flying outside of his house? Did I tell you he's a Jew from New York City? Did I tell you he looks like a leather daddy waiting for his internet hookup, but his dollar store Stepford wife is ruining his swag? I laugh hard. This is the Sally I like talking to. I hear the sizzle and inhale. I know what I'm doing, she says. I know. I have total confidence. You've been off the streets for years. Don't tell me how to run my show. Keep your fucking distance or I'm fucking off. Yeah, you're right. I've been out of the game. I trust you 100%. Do your thing. You're a pro. You'll be perfect. I listen to her smoke. My heart is beating fast and my shoulders are tense. Sally turns me in knots sometimes with her bait-and-switch conversation tactics. It's good that she is far away, otherwise I would be a wreck. I have gone soft. I stay quiet for fear of tipping her off the cliff edge she is on. Then she'd be gone and all of the work I've put into Carl will be for nothing. Fuck, it's hot down here. Are you close to the beach? Sally loves the beach. Yep, I'm going to try that paddleboard thing where you stand up, stand boarding. Have you tried it? Looks lame, but I want to see if I can see into the water that way. Look at the fishies. I haven't tried it. 
I wish I could be there. I immediately regret saying that because it's not true and it is kind of true. I can sneak you into the hostel. I have work. I can't leave without, you know, reporting that I'm leaving town. It's bullshit. It's not true. I can travel without permission, but I can't miss a group therapy session without an emergency excuse. All of that bullshit for diddling Bible twats with a rubber cock. Fuck your life. You picked up the money okay? Oh yeah, no problem. We are both quiet for a minute. I can't think of anything to say because everything that comes to mind is about Frida, Cecilia, or something else I don't want Sally to know about. What would Julianne say in the situation? Make peace or some shit. Listen, I hope you know that I wasn't trying to avoid you all this time. It's the probation. You got spooked because you're a weak bitch. I get it. I never want to go back inside. Yeah, I got spooked. I had some shit times inside and you remembered my stories. Sally knows the truth, and sometimes the best thing to do is not challenge the facts as she believes them, even if they are not the actual truth. Now you're a good little citizen of the system, playing by their rules. Bet that causes some conflicts in your psyche. Frida starts to cry. Where are you? I put the pacifier in Frida's mouth, hoping like hell it works this time. Outside of work? Oh? I hear a question in her voice. Was that a baby? Yeah, someone has a baby. I'm on lunch break. A job. I never would have thought you would do one of those. What slave labor is it? License plates? Shaping bricks? What work am I doing? Uh, it's kind of like, uh, it's a bakery. A commercial bakery. I make cookies. Piles and piles of cookies. Gross. Fuck, this shitty phone is gonna die. I'll let you know when I've made contact. She's gone. Thirteen. Julianne wants to meet at a McDonald's near her house. I hate going inside fast food places. I prefer the anonymity of the drive-thru. She insisted, and she said there was good coffee, which I doubt is true. As I walk into the air-conditioned, hot-oil-filled fast food place, a loud shouting draws my attention over to the kids' play area. A young woman is bent over yelling down at a small boy whose head is hanging low. I saw you steal your brother's fries, and now you will sit here on this chair and watch everyone else play. Look at me when I talk to you. You're a dirty little thief. Frida is in the front pack. Her head is turned towards the noise of the play area. I caress her soft hair in an attempt to comfort her in the presence of the emotional abuse happening a few yards away. Julianne walks over to the young woman and says something to her. The woman flashes Julianne a sharp look, then looks down. Julianne gives the little boy a brown bag, and he opens it and starts eating french fries out of it. Julianne looks over my way and waves like she is trying to get my attention from a far distance. Dee, hey! She says, as if I am not looking directly at her. Come here! She says, as if I am not walking towards her. I continue with hesitation, because the woman who is yelling is sitting at the table next to where Julianne is standing. Julianne hits me lightly on my shoulder and thankfully doesn't go in for a hug. Nice to see you in the real world. This is my daughter, Tina. Say hi, Tina, she says with a stern dip in her voice and a tap to Tina's shoulder. Hi, Tina says, but she doesn't look up from her smartphone. This is my grandbaby, Trenton, and over there is my older grandson, Dodge, like the car. Hi, Dodgy. Julianne is blowing kisses to a scruffy-looking boy who disappears into the plastic playground tube. Tina, I'm going to be right over there with my friend. Get the boys some I-C-E-C-R-E-A-M. Julianne hands Tina a $5 bill, then takes my arm and looks at Frida. Oh my goodness, what a scrumptious little thing. What's her name? Frida. Frida. Frida, Frida, Frida! She sings at the top of her voice. My face is hot and my feet are bolted to the ground. I don't look around to see who is looking at us. Googie, googie, googie. Yeah, yeah, look at you. Look at those perfect cheeks. You are precious. Yes, you are. She's so cute, Dee. I can't stand it. I keep my mouth shut because I don't want to provoke another musical outburst. 
I have been in group with this woman for months, and I had no idea she had this much energy. She likes me. Babies always like me. My milk has never dried up. They can smell it. Let's get a coffee. I'm almost dead. She leans her head over to one side, closes her eyes, and sticks out her tongue. I'm buying. What'll you have, girl? Normally, I don't like being called girl, but when Julianne says it, somehow it feels like it fits. I am a girl, and she is a woman, even though I doubt she is that much older than I am. You don't have to do that. I reach for my wallet. No, no, it's nothing. I got a card. They punch it. Hey, see, I got a free one today. Thank you. Never shook a gift, girl. She elbows me gently. What's your pleasure? Coffee. A large coffee. What? No latte, flat white, Americano? No thanks. Filtered coffee, large. You go over there and rest your dogs. I'll be right back. She skips. Yes, skips. To the counter. I am a bit uncomfortable with her extroverted behavior, but also I admire her. She doesn't give a shit. The world's her stage. Nobody in a McDonald's is going to judge me for being with her. Nobody in a McDonald's can judge anyone else for anything. It's an unspoken rule. Everyone goes to McDonald's. It's like a symbol of American unity. We are all united in our love for salt and food with a shelf life of 1.2 million years. I sit at a table and watch the staff behind the counter. I understand their life right now because I live it every night. Step forward, step back. Push that button, fill a bag with fries. Fill a bag with hamburgers. I recognize those repetitive shifts of the body. Owning that little square of concrete they box step on for eight hours a day at their regular job. I'm feeling pretty lucky that I work at a job where I am not on display like that. The shifts of my body are only visible to my coworkers, and they are so busy loading their own machines that they don't have time to stare at me and I don't have time to stare at them. Here you are, my dear. One large, boring ass. Oh, sorry for swearing. I shake my head and laugh a little. Your large coffee. I got you an apple pie as well. I got an iced mocha, mm, whipped cream. Want some? She pushes a long straw with a white substance that looks like beach foam towards my mouth. I pull back and shake my head and point to the coffee island where I will load up on half and half in sugar. When I return to the table, Julianne is almost done with her drink. She's a machine. Now, I've been thinking about you. She smacks my hand. A thing you gotta know about me is that I have been around. This ain't my first time around the block. I am not proud of it. The thing is that I've got a condition that makes me want to steal things, and I'm working on it. This is my last time. I want it to be my last time. She crosses her fingers, bows her head, and shakes her hands in the air above her head. Please give me the strength. What do you mean, last time? I ask. Parole. After I get off parole, I'm done. Clean and clear. Right. Oh, right. Me too. I don't want to be on probation ever again. Right, right, that's what I thought. It's the pits. My daughter over there, she's not happy that her mom has a record. Don't ask me why she is fine with those kids' daddy having a record, but it's me that's the problem. Whatever, that's my cross to bear. What I wanted to say to you, though, is... Is you know the group? I don't think you get it. I don't mean any disrespect here, you understand? Good intentions all the way. But it's not a place where you're going to get help. It's impossible. I've watched you and heard you answer group leaders' questions, and I think you would do yourself a favor if you eased up on the angst thing in there. Are you getting what I'm saying to you? I shake my head. I am not criticizing you. This is coming from a place of admiration. Listen, you've seen what I do, right? I check in with some bullshit. Oops, sorry, Frida. She's asleep. Man, I wish it was not socially unacceptable to sleep in public. I could go for a power 20 right now. Every time a group leader asks me to check in, I choose a phrase that I know she will accept. Like, I think I've had a bit of a breakthrough, or I know what my triggers are, blah blah blah. You've heard me use these, right? Am I not one of group leader's faves? It's not true, though. None of what I say is true. She winks at me and sucks through her straw, which gurgles loudly as she swallows the melted ice mocha water left in her cup. I think Julianne is the funniest person I've ever met, and not sure she's even trying to be funny. In group, she participates. She's not talkative, but she is present. 
to think it is all an act. Man, she's a pro. I respect this woman so much right now. I know you get a bit of shit from that group of guys. They're intimidated by you. They don't like women in general, they don't like strong women, and they especially don't like your type of woman, you hear me? Also, I think they know that, given the choice, their girlfriends would choose you instead of them. Whatever. I try to play it off, but I'm thankful for the compliment. If that was meant to be a compliment. No, it's true. Given the choice between some violent gangbanger, drug dealer, whatever, and someone who stands up for what she believes in, who do you think a woman would choose? I don't have that kind of time on my hands, so they would probably get sick of me. I'm serious. You can't give those guys anything to look at or react to. Focus all of your attention on group leader. She loves it. How do you know? Are you kidding? She gets goosebumps for breakthroughs because she takes responsibility. So you have to say stuff like, You know that thing you said to me last session? Ha! See, you have been paying attention. Right. I've been thinking about what you said. She loves that one the most. I think she imagines that when we're away from group, we use her words, and she absolutely loves that. You want to practice? Now? Hell yeah, girl! Coffee is working its magic. I'm jacked up. I'll pretend I'm group leader. She smiles, closes her eyes, and takes a deep breath. She straightens her back and opens her eyes, staring right at me. D, tell the group how you're feeling since we last saw you, she says in a slow, soft voice. She is using two fingers to point at her eyes, then at mine, which I think means to keep eye contact, or she's telling me she's watching me. Either way, it's hard not to laugh at her. Uh, well, good. I've been good. You know, I've been thinking a lot about what you said last session about forgiveness. Julianne is nodding her head and giving me thumbs up with both of her hands. And yeah, I did some introspection and reflection, and I think I've made some progress. Julianne hits the table, and Frida flinches in the front pack. Ha! Huh, you got a girl. Bland, nonspecific? Oh, Dee, that's great to hear. Tell us what you've made progress with since last session. Progress? I was at a store, and a guy cut in front of me in line, and I worked hard to not get angry, you know? To let it be. Breathing helped. D, that is progress. How did that make you feel to let it be? Good. I felt like I was on top, like you say, in control of myself, not looking for control and missing it. A plus, girl. Shit, you're good. I've never thought of using the breathing. Nice touch. I smile and take a sip of my coffee, which is not tasty at all. I like this woman. I'm safe with her. There's no evil manipulation she's going to sting me with. How old is that little guy? I ask. Trenton? He's three. Poor little man. Tina is a good mom, but she has a short fuse. I hope he learns to tune her out. She can rage hard at them. I worry, but what good does that do? So what's your story, anyway? My story? Yeah, yeah. All I know about you is that you're like a political activist, a feminist. You don't really like the male species. That's not true. I don't have anything against individual men. Well, some I do, but the regular guy working and taking care of his family, being kind to his sisters and mothers, he's fine. It's the system. Any system with patriarchy at its core is what I fight. Fought. Because you're a feminist? I'm a feminist because of what I think. You know what I mean, right? Not sure. What did you do? What, like, what did pussy power do? Pussy power. That name is a serious commitment. I guess it is. We were activists. We staged disruptions. Like... I used to squat in this neighborhood and this hair removal salon was opening up and advertised itself as specializing in removing hair from all parts of women's bodies. This was in a neighborhood that was being gentrified rapidly. Our mission was to disrupt the opening party of this hair place. I rounded up some of the pussies and we agreed on what we were going to do. We called the plan narratives. We rehearsed in my mom's living room while she was at work. We also pitched in any money we could spare and with that we bought four wigs four wigs. They were orange, black, brown, and green. Some regular white glue. We cut the wigs up and glued the hair to our naked bodies. We walked into the salon's opening party and blew our air horns 
And then I yelled, Your hair is natural, keep it. We blew the air horns again, and Sally yelled, Keep your fucking hair. Then we left. Nothing major, but I could tell by the look of shock on those hairless people that we were something they were never going to forget. You did shit, like, all the time? Yep. Why, though? Cecilia's post-coital rant plays over in my brain. It's tried. I just start talking nonsense to Julianne about the fear white cis men have of anyone who is not like them. I think she's losing interest. You have a son and a daughter, right? I ask, even though I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I will keep talking anyway. Did you ever think about their lives? Like, did you ever think he's going to have an exciting life? I hope he earns good money, and for Tina, were you like, I hope she doesn't get pregnant as a teenager? What? No, are you kidding? I was hoping to fucking hell I would live to see them do anything. I had no time to think about their futures. I was trying to ensure I stayed alive. I was in a difficult relationship with their father. I tell you what, I could have used some angry man-hating feminists around me back then. All I had was my mom, who was fucking demented when it came to my ex. Julianne, stop nagging him. Keep your head down. That Bobby is a good man deep down. He don't mean the things he does. They never supported me when I left him. I mean, they supported me financially because money fixes everything in their eyes. But they always propped Bobby up with my kids. I couldn't get a break. Maybe that's why Tina is so fucked up. I can't talk to her about it. I can't ask her if it was hard to be raised by me while everyone around us said how great her father was and how it was sad I wouldn't let him see them. But he fucking didn't show up or do anything he said he was gonna. I didn't keep him from them. See, that's it right there. Your ex hurt you, but because the man's pain is treated as the worst pain by society, he is allowed to act wrong, but he is not punished. You are punished by having to deal with all the negative comments and your kids not appreciating you for taking care of them and protecting them from their father. Yep, that's it. That's really hitting home for me. One thing I don't get is, why don't you like being a woman? I like being a woman. Sorry. The only dykes... Can I use that word? I'm fine with it. Well, on the outside, there's a whole lot of women who want to be men. You were... inside? Yeah, hello. I told you I've been around the block, and on that block there was a place called prison. I stopped in there for an extended period of time, and now I'm on what is called parole. I nod and don't say anything else. I think I know where this conversation is headed. The fact that she doesn't seem to know the difference between a dyke, a trans dude, and a feminist is a red flag. I'm not in the mood to give Julianne the lesbian sex 101 talk. If lesbian is one of the most popular porn searches, why do people still feel the need to ask me how I have sex? You've been inside, right? She asks. No, I got bail. Lucky, who bailed you? My mom. Ah, mom. She must have been so proud. Julian winks. I laugh. I think she was, but mostly of herself. Like it was something she was planning for so many years, then finally the day arrived. She walked into the county courthouse with the wad of cash that she had been squirreling away in a jar with a label on it that said D's Bail Fund. Well, it's nice of you to give her that opportunity. We laugh together for a good minute. So your feminist activism, is it like terrorism? No, although I guess some people, misogynists mostly, would call it terrorism. We never hurt a person, ever, except ourselves, like cuts and bruises, mainly from running away from a disruption. No, not terrorism, but I guess on some level it could have been considered bullying. So what exactly did you get arrested for? It was stupid. I was stupid. Robbery? Battery? No. Well, not exactly. Oh, come on, tell me. You know my thing. I take shit. I can't help it. I'm working on it. I'm an open book. I don't like to talk about it. Why? Does it make you feel feelings? She uses a baby voice. You get all ashamed and sad. What are you doing? I'm giving you a hard time. Come on, I'll answer any of your questions. I stare at Julianne for a moment. She is silly, but authentic. I can't remember the last time someone wanted to hear about me because they were interested, 
not because they are monitoring my behavior like my PO or judging me like mom and Cecilia. I prodded homophobes with a dildo. What? Elaborate, please. Not much else to it. I infiltrated an anti-gay protest. All dudes, of course, and then I gently pushed a big dildo that I was wearing into their butts. They attacked me, then I was arrested. It wasn't even illegal. My lawyer kept saying it wasn't assault, it was antisocial behavior. Oh god, I've heard antisocial before. It's like this decades criminal justice buzzword. Julianne looks back at her family, then turns and stares at me. She is sullen. People think because I have money that I don't have problems. I have problems. Look at Tina, she is yelling at those kids all day and all night. No wonder they don't sleep. How does that happen? I pay for therapy. I even drop her off at the appointments and look after the kids. Doesn't get us anywhere. But my son has avoided all of that. He's following his bliss, studying to be a chef. I told you that. He's 24 and he's happy. He's happy. Julianne stands up and walks back to the counter. I watch as she talks to the woman at the register and pays. She stands at the side of the counter and waits for her order. She kind of stares at nothing as far as I can tell. I use this break in our conversation to check the burner. There are no messages from Sally, and I'm empty. Julianne comes back with a tray full of food in a large brown bag. Be right back, she says, as she grabs the big bag full of food and walks outside beyond the perimeter of the McDonald's, then hands the bag to a homeless man who is sitting in a bed of dirt in between the parking lot and the sidewalk. She bends over and hugs him. He watches her walk away as he reaches into the bag. She sits back down across from me and picks up one of the wrapped burgers and fries and puts them on my side of the table. Eat. Wait, you're not vegetarian or Wiccan or anything, are you? No, I'm good. Thank you. Do you know that guy? I noticed him while we've been sitting here. He's old, huh? Now I feel sad. That was kind. I've had a lucky streak with money. I have enough to live on and support my kids and buy homeless people lunch, but do I have someone who will support me? A friend? No. Then I notice you, and you seem like you don't have support either. Am I right? I shrug and look down at the top of Frida's head. Can I tell you something? I'm not proud of it. I nod. This morning I almost cracked. Not almost, I did. I don't know what it was. Hormones? I pulled into a liquor store, didn't need anything, but there it was, parked out there. I went inside and grabbed two candy bars and stuffed them into the pocket of my jacket. Nobody saw me. It felt good and I was full of adrenaline. Then it switched instantly to guilt. I went to the counter and put a pack of gum in front of the guy. Little guy, younger than me. Sullen type. I pulled the two bars out of my pocket and said, I was going to steal these, but I've decided I can't. Or something stupid like that. I was crying by that point. Then he touched them and said, They're melted. You gotta buy these. Funny, right? I melted them. He probably wished you just stole them instead of telling him about it. I'm trying to hold my laughs in because Frida is going to wake up at any second. Yeah, good point. I felt really good that he told me to buy them because I could take responsibility right then and there instead of having the cops come and treat me like a child. Cops never talk to you like you're a complex being with layers, you know? Anyway, I need support from time to time. What do you say we prove them all wrong and do it like they do in AA? Be each other's sponsor. A sharp pain pokes my back in between my shoulders. It's from the front pack, but also from her request, which would be yet another responsibility on my already long list. Wow, that's a sweet idea, I say. Sweet? No, 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 no. It's not sweet. It's not? No. We are two badass bitches. What I'm proposing is that we work together to keep each other, you know, good. Help us become our best selves. Our best selves? It's not too late? I still think it's sweet, but I won't say that word again. Of course it's not. What would group leader say if she heard you say that? The thing is that I have so much going on. I'm not sure I can support you in the way that you deserve. I'm in a difficult time in my life right now. I barely have enough time to sleep. I have work, group, Frida, diapers, Cecilia, my mom, my PO. I feel like I could go crazy any minute. 
I'm going to say something. Don't be mad, but I feel like you keep things hidden. I understand why you don't participate in groups, same reason I don't, but I'm here trying to be your friend. Do you have any friends? Do you have anyone who calls you to ask how you are? Someone you can say anything to? I don't, but I want that. I don't care about what you did or what you're planning to do. I'm not going to judge you. I like what you're saying and I want to. I'm just worried I'll let you down. Fuck being worried. I get it. I have kids. I've had probation. That's why I think you should make room for me. Who else in your life gets what you're going through like I do or what if he gave me the chance? She is begging me to be her friend. I have never had anyone beg me for anything. Well, that's not true. Mom and Sally have, but that was more manipulation than genuine desire for me to do something that would also benefit me. Something about Julianne's strength and clarity of thought appeals to me. I don't have anyone who gets me. Cecilia is too busy for me. My mom, well, there's too much emotional scar tissue there for a functional relationship. Sally never got me. You're kind of intense. I'll make time for you in my schedule if you will make time for me, I say. Julianne jumps out of her chair. Woohoo! But I don't want to meet at McDonald's again. What? Do feminists have something against McDonald's? Yes. So now that we're best buddies, tell me more about that thing with your father that you told me about. Oh, you want to get straight into the juicy stuff? Why not? I don't know. That was a stupid idea. It is a stupid idea. I've put the plan in place. I lean over and grab the burner out of my bag. You see this? It's not the phone that I turn into probes every month. It's secret. I use it to get in touch with someone who will act out my plan. Jesus, you're serious about this plan. Look at your face. It's like you're a witch crafting a potion. What is this plan? Could you talk quieter? Sorry. A colleague found my father, and she will enact the plan. Yeah, the plan, the plan. You keep saying it like I know what you're talking about. It's kind of loose. There is always a chance that she's just taken the money I sent her and gone straight to a drug dealer or the liquor store. It's a crapshoot with her. So why did you hire her? I didn't hire her. I engaged her, and I gave her money for travel and food. That's how pussy power works. Right, pussy power. The collective. What did you collect? Nothing. Are you serious? I don't know what a collective is, she says. Yeah, I don't either anymore, but the idea was that all decisions were made by consensus. That meant the two of us at least had to agree before we did anything. Was she your girlfriend? No way, no. We were just together all of the time, like sisters without the blood. She's especially good at tricking men into embarrassing sexual situations. Russian spies do this a lot. It's called compromat. She photographed dudes or somehow they got caught in the act and we blackmailed them with evidence. It's simplistic but also super easy to get these guys, we call them targets, into situations they wouldn't want other people like the media or their wives, bosses, mothers, or kids to know about. Wow, that's hilarious. While you were talking, all I could think was, she sounds like a teacher. It's like you know this stuff so well and you da-da-da-da like I'm in a class. You're fun to listen to. I laugh a loud laugh that surprises me and Frida screams. I have to go, I say, because I know Frida is hungry and I didn't bring a bottle because I'm an idiot. Oh, bummer. Well, we should do this again. I mean, not here. I take the boys out to parks a few times a week. She puts her arms out to hug me. Frida is crying loudly. I lean my body forward and Julianne hugs the baby more than me. Is something wrong? Mom says with a look on her face that I have seen many times over the years when I have unlocked her door without warning. No. I walk past her into the house. Why aren't you at work? What happened this time? Nothing, I say with an angry tone. Nothing. I say again, trying to add kindness. I used to always hide here after something bad happened. Mom is probably thinking I've fucked up in some way. Like the time Sally pulled a knife on me because I finished her drink without asking permission, or the week I was hiding from another verbose drug dealer who was a prolific sexual predator. 
We spray-painted rapist on the side of his house and his car after hearing stories of his violent perversion. Right now, I just want to get my stuff and get the hell out of here. I don't have to be at work till six. I walk through the kitchen and into the garage. She follows me. Have you seen that video online with the unicorn cat? She asks. No, I haven't seen that one. It's hilarious. I'll show you before you go. What are you looking for? I need my journals. Why? I want to look at them. Why? Why so many questions? I want to know why you want to look at them, she says. Because, unlike you, I like to celebrate my achievements. Stop, petty self, stop. What is that supposed to mean? Stop, mom, stop. It means that you have blocked out who you really are. Go back, stop this discussion now. Hug her, be an adult. You don't do your art anymore. Mind your own messy business. You're so talented, but you don't make anything anymore. Why not? Her head is turned away from me, but I do the stare at her anyway. Just a soft one. She rubs her hands together. Her jawline moves as she clenches her teeth. We are stuck in a crevasse that we are both familiar with. One of us needs to reach out and save the other. It should be me. It has to be me because I'm the one who started this. Shit, I'm sorry. I got excited. It's been a weird day. If I tell her about Carl, she will freak. She hates him more than I do, but she chooses to pretend he never existed. I wish I could do that. Cut him out of my body like an ugly mole. Do you want a sandwich before you go to work? Mom asks, and she doesn't sound upset. Toasted cheese? I ask. Finally, she leaves me alone. She seems fine. I want to get my journals to show Julianne the kind of stuff we did in Pussy Power. The journals are hidden in an old trunk that I asked Mom to hide for me under stacks of newspapers. She teaches after-school art classes. Kid art equals a lot of paper mache, so if I got raided, the cops would not look under piles of newspapers. I wouldn't be surprised if there was no trunk under here anymore. It's been two years since I looked at this stuff. If she wanted to, Mom could have totally dumped this thing in the trash during one of her life-cleanse decluttering weekends. I move piles of neatly folded and stacked papers and see the top of my trunk. I open the trunk and the musty smell of my past fills the air. It is full of detritus from my past. I put my hand in and push items around and immediately I am filled with a sense of pride. I did all of this. Then shame steps in front of pride and I'm filled with embarrassment. We took ourselves so seriously. We thought we were changing the world. Sometimes our methods were destructive and what the fuck has changed anywhere? I pick up a thick piece of paper. On the front is a black and white photo of a black trash bag opened at that top. Inside is a pile of soiled tampons and period pads. I remember this one right away. Telly's Pizza. On the back, I have written an account of the disruption. January 15, 1997. We went to Telly's Pizza. We were sitting in a booth. Sally pointed out the guy behind the register at the counter. We later found out he was the owner's son. He kept scratching his balls, but it didn't look like he was scratching. It was obvious that he kept his hand there all the time. The whole time we were watching him, one hand was taking orders and using the cash register, and the other hand was outside his pants on his balls. I started making juggling my movements down where my balls would be. I exaggerated. Always in it for a laugh, and we were laughing so hard Sally almost choked on her pizza. Another customer went up to the ball juggler and pointed at us. But next thing we saw was this red-faced ball juggler running towards us, charging at us like a big bald bull. He was yelling at us, You dirty fucking bitches! He swept his hand across our table in a fancy movie movement and all of our food went everywhere. We were covered in pizza and sticky soda. Luckily, we hadn't paid yet, because that would have been a hell of an awkward couple of minutes at the register. What would he do with his ball-juggling hand? He kept yelling at us, Get out of here, you dirty dykes! You smell like shit! We left quick. By the time we got to the car, we decided to retaliate and quickly came up with a method that sounded super easy to pull off, and we could afford it because we didn't pay for lunch. Frankie, brown dreadlocks. 
Sally and I went to the discount shop and bought a bunch of tampons, pads, red fruit drink powder, and trash bags. We went to Frankie's house and unwrapped the period products and put them in the bag. Sally emptied the red drink powder into the bag and I poured in a cup of water. Frankie picked the bag up and gave it a good shake. Sally took a photo and then we changed into our disruption clothes and drove back to the pizza place. It was the middle of the dinner rush. Frankie parked out front, held the door of the restaurant open for us. Sally and I charged into the pizza place, which was hot and full of people, past the crowded salad bar, and stood directly in front of the cash register where the ball juggler was standing and staring at our masked faces with his mouth wide open. Sally and I dumped the contents of the bag onto the register and the counter and ran out screaming and laughing. I liked the pizza in that place and the salad bar was awesome, but no food is so good that it hides the taste of misogyny. That poor kid probably had some condition. We thought we were teaching that family a lesson about respecting women, but that message probably got lost when they had to clean up our mess. We were belittling a person who might not have been able to control himself. He was obviously ashamed, and there we were making fun of him in his space. Then we humiliated him further with the tampons and pads. I bet the pizza place lost money that night in the following days. Our intention at the time was, of course, to cause that guy and the pizza place financial pain and suffering because of the harassment we experienced. I've got this sick guilt feeling about it now. Your food is ready, Mom calls from the kitchen. Be there in a sec. I collect the journals and random papers into a stack on the floor, then sift through the other stuff in the trunk. It's a bunch of old clothes, some armbands, and other pussy power memorabilia. I try to wrap one of the armbands around my bicep, like we used to do when we were dressed for disruptions. All black was the uniform, some sort of face covering, and our gray armbands with pussy power sewn in bright pink thread. I flex my arm. The band doesn't fit like it used to because I've gained weight since the last time I wore one of these. My body has responded naturally now that I am on a steady diet of at least three meals a day, many times more, rather than eating whenever and whatever I could get my hands on. I want to take the whole trunk back to my house, but there is always the chance that my Pia will make an unannounced visit and I wouldn't want to risk her finding the trunk. What a wuss I have become. Mom is sitting at the kitchen table reading a book. She has made me two toasted cheese sandwiches. She has an apple cut into quarters in front of her on a plate. I'm hungry. I bite into a gooey, greasy toasted cheese that makes me love my mom again. I wanted to say, my will is with my lawyer. I stare at my mom and she goes on with this morbid information. If anything happens to me, I do not want to be resuscitated. The food is stuck in my throat. Don't you have to have that stated officially somewhere or something? I'm telling you officially now. You're scaring me, I say. I do not want to be tubed up and filled with drugs. Let me go. Have you told Luke? He's the responsible one. He's too far away. You'll be the one who gets to the hospital first. Why do you have all of this planned out? I ask. I have a lot of time to think. But what if you're in pain? If I'm brain dead, don't keep me alive. If my body can live on its own, so be it. Pump me full of morphine, but don't tube me up and let the beep 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 of that machine become background noise. I never want to see one of those machines again. Mom focuses her attention on her book. I take the last couple of bites of my second toasted cheese. Are you going to eat your apple? Mom shakes her head, but doesn't look up. Cecilia told me that if someone is experiencing loss or grief, that there is nothing you can do for them when they are in the thick of it. After Owen died, I did pretty good because I did nothing. I was hanging out with Sally, and she was teaching me, preaching her radical gospel about patriarchy and how men are conditioned to be emotionless robots. I was on board. I took it in without question because she was my guru. I was on her side, and anything she put out, I would soak up as the truth. Now I know she was making it all up, dressing her misanthropy up as feminism. In my mother's cloud of grief, she had the good sense to put Luke into counseling in a grief group for teenagers. She didn't do the same for herself, unfortunately. Even if Owen worshipped her, his attention didn't rub off. 
She didn't see herself as important enough to get some help. My little brother's grief counseling gave him the language to describe how he was feeling. In my mindset as a recent convert to radical feminism, who openly discounted a man's ability to feel anything, let alone talk about his feelings in a way that made sense to a woman and cry without shame, it was challenging for me. At that time, I was hanging out with Sally, and we were starting what was to become Pussy Power. We were planning our first feeble disruptions. Every day, we would spend hours talking and laughing at our stupid ideas, and she didn't once acknowledge the trauma my family was going through. After spending time with her, I would go home to that sorrow pit of a house filled with dying flowers and the stale smell of grief casseroles and listen to my younger brother say things like, Do you want to process anything you are feeling about Owen right now? Or, I'm feeling vulnerable. I'm going to cry. Do you mind? My fledgling beliefs were flipped on their head, and instead of putting them to the side and being with my brother, I rejected him. I sat stony-faced, reheated the gifted food, and left him alone in all of those feelings. Strangely, he would often say, Thanks for listening. I was listening, but more to the conflicting thoughts in my own head that were telling me to hug him or get away from him. I'm not sure how he feels about how I was during that time. I don't hear from him much, so that kind of tells me something about what kind of sister I am. If I could do it all over again, I would try hard to connect with him and support him when he opened up. I remember him talking about how unfair it was for him to lose both his birth father and then his second father. I didn't get the second chance dad he got. I only got the first loser. I didn't get a guy who planned fun activities based on my interests like Owen did. He was brilliant. To complete the fairy tale that was Owen, he was a frugal fucker who made sure mom was a little bit loaded after he died. He gave his own kids enough money to be sure that there was no fighting after the smoke settled. There was drama, like when his son came over to mom's one night drunk and took some of his dad's power tools out of the garage. She let him have what he wanted, then she changed all of the locks. That was the end of it. I don't think she's had anything to do with them at all since. Luke's lost a father and siblings when Owen died is something I've heard mom say over the years. I'm pretty sure she's including me in that statement. Luke was strategic because he wanted to see the world, so he got a degree in teaching English as a second language, then took off. I can't remember the full list of countries he's been to and lived in. He used to send me postcards to mom's house. There are a stack of them somewhere. Mom keeps stuff like that in case I get sentimental and want to change my life based on some postcard wisdom from my younger brother. After hopping around Asia for several years, Luke settled in New Zealand. I know Mom misses him. Mom, I'm really sorry about giving you a hard time about the art stuff. You're right. I want to. I see my students go and make really beautiful stuff, and all I want to do when I'm working with them is to go in the corner and make something as well. But after they go home, I can't. I stand at the easel, and I don't feel anything. Maybe you could try going to an art class. What, and fail in public? No thank you. I appreciate your concern. I'm going to bed. You have a good night at work. She kisses me on the top of my head and leaves the kitchen. I take a bite of the apple. The surface is slimy. It's been out a while. The tang of it hits the back of my throat like citrus. It doesn't taste as good as I hoped it would. I pick the dishes up from the table and rinse them in the sink. I never used to do this type of thing. I am proud of myself for helping mom. 15. I've texted Sally four or five, maybe ten times since the gun show. This is typical Sally. Not the no contact part, but the kind of fuck you she's giving me right now. There was more than one mission where we had to change the schedule of events to cater for Sally's control trips. I'm cool with whatever is needed to complete a successful disruption, but Sally wasn't always as giving of her time. As much as possible, I've tried to exclude her from things that required any morning methods. She was good, however, if she had to stay up all night to do surveillance. That meant she was out of action for the next day and a half of the mission because she had to recover from the lack of sleep. 
and depending on the info she gathered while she wasn't sleeping, her mood and interest in the mission would vary drastically. If she felt she got something good and important for the mission, she was happy to have stayed up. But if she got nothing, she was not even interested, and sometimes she would take off and I wouldn't hear from her for weeks. I would be left to manage the other pussies and all of the methods myself. She doesn't reply until two days later. Her text says, Went well. I've seen him twice. He likes me and I've got things to tell you. Can I call you? No answer. I wait an hour even though it is killing me to delay getting some information, anything. Then I call her. Bonjourno, she says. Moshi moshi. He didn't tell me he had those tattoos. She sounds drunk. What does that have to do with anything? Nothing. I didn't know about them and they are so big. Do you like them or something? No, fuck off. So what happened? Tell me exactly. Ugh, I'm so tired. I stay quiet. Fuck. I went to the gun show. He was there by himself, no wifey bringing him lunch. He did have lunch in a brown sack, and I said, did your mommy make that for you? You said that for real? Yeah, first thing I said to him. What did he say? He laughed. She knew exactly what I wanted her to do. To humiliate him. And then? He had this big picture of himself holding a rifle, like hugging it. There wasn't anything written on it, so I was like, what's that about? And he was like, I love guns. I said, huh, that's funny. He laughed and looked back at the poster. His face got red and I knew I could go any direction with him, you know? Like I could take him in the bathroom and fuck him in there. I could have crawled under the table and blown him. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy who gives a fuck. But I asked him to tell me about his book. I went around to his side of the table and sat on the ground behind his chair, so he had to, like, turn away from the people walking by to talk to me. I was the only fucking person who talked to him the whole time, which is not a surprise, because he had nothing on the table or whatever to tell people what he does. Like, even we would make signs, right, to tell people what we were doing. He has no clue. Why do you think he was there, then? Fuck knows. He can go on and on, though. I almost fell asleep while he was babbling bullshit about Muslims and fucking millennials. He hates young people. He's real single-minded. No shit, I say. Yeah, I asked him about you. What? Not like, hey, you remember your daughter? I'm not a fucking idiot, D. Nah, like, do you have any kids? So what did he say? He said they're grown with their own lives, that he's proud of the people you have become. He said that? He doesn't know, though. He doesn't know us. I'm pretty fucking sure he was lying. I take several deep breaths. Through all the years Sally and I planned and carried out disruptions, we never did sabotage to anyone in our own families, workplaces, or circle of friends. There were a couple of times that we caused disruptions in places we frequented that pissed us off in some way. This disruption where Carl Jukes, my biological father, is the target, it's different from anything Sally and I have done together. But also, it's not so different, because Carl is a fucker, and Sally is using her body to take him down. We've played the scenario out multiple times, and Carl is a man like the others. He's going to let her into his pants. He probably already has. She's going to document him in embarrassing situations, and we are going to use that information to humiliate and blackmail him. Nobody is going to want to hire him or invite him to be on their shouty, racist, misogy talk show after they have seen the evidence that he is a disgusting person. So what happened next? He kept talking and talking. He's good at that. What was he talking about? No idea. It was so boring. I tuned out. I made sure my shirt was open my legs were open. I looked him in the eyes. He liked that. What happened after? I try to keep the information flowing even though I'm feeling queasy. I can't tell if it's excitement or the thought of Sally and my father hooking up. After what? The gun show, I say too aggressively. I turn the phone up so it's away from my mouth, but still up to my ear. I want to scream at her. Nothing happened. What do you mean? I ask. Nothing. You wanted me to make contact. I made contact. My phone is dying. She hangs up. I don't think she's charging her phone. It's always almost dying.
Or she's lying. She's a liar and I can't trust her. Why the fuck am I doing this? I text Julianne to keep my mind off Sally, but really I want to use this phone, so when Sally does get in touch, I will get it instantly. What are you doing? She writes back right away. Watching a movie? Turns out she's watching one of the movies I suffered through when Cecilia and I were first together. The one where her favorite actress is trying to balance motherhood and a career in her always clean house. So fake, and to my surprise, Julianne texts that she isn't enjoying the movie because it's white feminist make-believe. I reply, haha, it's fun watching you become a feminist. Can I call you? Because I'm waiting for Sally to get in touch, I reply, busy at the moment, let's talk at group. I shouldn't lie to her. I don't want to push her away. She replies with a cake emoji, and I know all is good. It has been difficult to get Frida to sleep lately. I fall asleep when I put her to sleep, but it's not restful because I'm worried about missing Sally's call. My eyes pop open. I'll try again right now. Hello, Sally says. Her voice is quiet. Maybe I woke her up. Moshi moshi, I say as per pussy power protocol. I hear a release of breath on the other end of the phone. I can't tell if that was her blowing out smoke or a sigh of exasperation. Wait a second, she says. I hear muffled noises. A man's voice and then Sally's voice, but I can't make out what they're saying. A door opens and shuts. Hello, Sally? Footsteps and another door open. I hear traffic noises and wind. Sally, I yell. Don't yell, fuck. She takes another big inhale and there is a sizzle, then an exhale. I try to calm my voice because all I want to do is yell down at the shitty phone. Where are you? Nowhere. Why haven't you answered my text or calls? What's going on? Nothing. What about Carl? What about him? What the fuck, Sally? Are you breaking him or not? No, I'm not. She hangs up. A few seconds later, my burner buzzes. It's a text from Sally. Don't call or text. I'm done. I throw the phone against the wall. It makes a black mark, but it doesn't break. I slap the top of my thighs and rub my legs as Frida screams her head off. I'm feeling a bit shaky, like I'm not functioning on all my brain cells. Earlier today, I was doing the week's grocery shopping, which I tried to do on a Monday, because I usually have more energy on a Monday from a weekend of sleeping, but not today, because I've been preoccupied with Sally and Carl and fucking my life up in general, which is affecting my ability to sleep. I was in the store, working through the shopping list Cecilia made, checking through the items, loading up the cart, but there was something I knew I was forgetting. I stood in the middle of one of the aisles and looked at the list, trying to remember what I was forgetting. I was super anxious and still am. The pain of the heat from my palms rubbing against my jeans on my thighs feels good when I do it super fast over and over. I'm right here, right now. I'm safe now, in the house, sitting on the edge of this bed. There's Frida in her car capsule on the floor. There's the groceries on the floor, ready to be put away. I was in the store, staring at my list, and I heard a baby cry somewhere in the store, and at that moment I remembered that Frida was in the car in the parking lot. I forgot Frida. I ran out of the store, leaving the full cart on its own in the middle of the cereal aisle. When I got to the car, Frida was screaming her head off, but she seemed unharmed. Her cheeks were wet with tears, but her ears weren't and her hair wasn't, so I told myself she just woke up seconds before I got to the car. She had just started crying like she does every time she wakes up. No harm done, no harm done, I repeated to myself as I held her close. Then there was this random woman standing next to me. I hadn't seen her when I ran up to the car. She smelled like her clothes were made from used cigarettes. She wasn't Sally, but she could have been. I saw that baby in that car, and I said to my husband, that ain't right, she said. The skin on her cheek sagged down like she was melting in front of me. Thank you, thank you, she's fine. She was asleep and I forgot all about her. No harm done, no harm done, I said really loud and made Frida scream more. The woman touched Frida's head. I saw that baby in the car and I said, nope, this is not right. Then you come running. 
She looks fine. She looks fine. God bless you both. I put Frida back in her capsule seat in the car, screaming. I sit next to her and wipe her tears. It isn't a hot day, but what if it was? She is fine, but what if she isn't? After I put all the groceries away and I sit on the edge of the bed, I replay the baby in the car incident again. I could have fainted if that was something that happened to me, but my body kept me there, upright holding the baby. It's just now that I'm withering. Sitting here, wondering how and why I am in a situation where I am in charge of a tiny human, and when am I going to be rescued from this responsibility dungeon I'm trapped in? I'm not sure I will tell Cecilia. What's the point? No harm done. What's wrong? Cecilia yells as she opens the front door. Frida is in her capsule on the floor, her face red. She is screaming. I don't know how long I've been sitting here or how long she has been screaming. There's no way it was more than a couple of minutes. What are you doing? Cecilia's face is as red as Frida's. She picks her up and puts Frida to her breast. I run through my list of options of how to handle this. I could tell her about Sally and show her the text, or just start crying and tell her I've been depressed and I need some time alone. She's been really difficult today. She's only been crying a few minutes. I didn't know you were coming home early. I wanted to have dinner made for you. Have you been sleeping? I shake my head. Not well. She seems like she's fine. I have some news. I got a phone call from Globwy today, and guess what they said? They are giving me an award for back into the fold. Wow, an award. That's amazing. What's Glob... Globwy? I told you. Greater Los Angeles Women's Business Alliance Incubator. I joined it last year. I haven't been to any of the meetings or anything because of my maternity leave, but they said they thought the FOLD program was, to quote them directly, the most innovative and effective social enterprise they have ever come across. Wow, that's nice. Don't get too excited. What? I think it's great that Glabwai wants to honor you. It's well-deserved. Sounds like you couldn't give a shit. Well, you know I don't understand business stuff. You don't understand because you don't give a shit. That's not true. I give a shit. Look at all the amazing stuff you've done this year. You built a person in your body. Look at her. She's perfectly symmetrical. You feed her, you've gone back to work, and you're killing it. Evidence being that you are now up for this award. I'm not up for it. I'm getting it. Businesswoman of the year. Fuck. She is angry about Frida. What can I say now? All I can muster is another... Wow. She is right, though. I couldn't give a shit about her Capitalist Supremacy Award. Why is she forcing me to pretend to be enthusiastic about something I don't want taking up space in my head? I have so much going on with my own life. I have my PO appointment this week, group, Sally, work. She's never worked the night shift. She doesn't know what it's like. Listen, I know you don't give a shit, and you know what? I don't give a shit that you don't care about the award. Up to right now, I was assuming you would come with me to the event because I thought it would be a fun date night. A bunch of hotties dressed up, but fuck it. I'm going to take my parents. I want to be with people who care about this, not someone who's going to sit there all night and eye roll everything like you've done during every other thing I've taken you to. I don't know what to say. I have worked hard to get where I am, and the fact that you don't give a shit about something I care about, Regardless of your beliefs about the capitalist system or whatever bullshit you think you are such an expert in, it hurts me. I don't know what to say. Because you don't have anything to say. Just like with the maintenance job. I thought you would rock that job, but you just didn't say anything to anybody. Do you know how bad that made me look? I'm sorry. Don't apologize. You don't mean it. Her mouth is turned down and she is using the stare on me and it's working. I look away. I have hurt her, and I don't know what to do. Let me off the hook here, please. I don't know what to do. Aren't you going to be late for work? Yeah, I'm going to be late if I don't leave now. I grab my backpack from the floor. I'm sorry I hurt you. I didn't mean to, I say. Oil and water sometimes. We are. The door slams harder than I meant it to. I stomp down a few stairs, but I'm not a fucking teenager, so I soften my steps. I breathe deep. I hug myself. Why am I crying? It's not because Cecilia was mean, it's because she's right.
I am selfish and I don't like being wrong. The situation with Sally is so stressful, I need to fix it. On the walk to work, I calm down watching the clouds. They are like the rainbow sherbet ice cream mom used to buy me and Luke, full of pink and orange and beautiful. With each step away from the house, I relax and try to open my mind to ways I can fix this thing with Sally. By the time I get to work, I have a plan. Sorry I missed your call Call me, you know, I have a little set break or something. Just, bye. bye.